What's up, church? Welcome to Salvation Solutions. I'm your host, Damaris Johnson. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in to our podcast today. We have a very special um, uh, revelation to release to you today, something that I really believe will revolutionize and transform the way you see God, um, the way you view our salvation and the way you see what God's intent is for your life. So many times and too often I'm asked by believers, um, you know, what what should they expect from God? And, and God has revealed himself as a, um, a remunerator. He's revealed himself as a particular uh, father. He's revealed himself in so many different ways that we need to know it. And what you believe God for is what he'll is how he'll manifest in your life. And we're going to look at some things today that I really believe that will transform and revolutionize, you know, the way you see salvation and the way you see, you know, God and how he relates to mankind. Before we get into that, though, I want to um, invite you to uh, share and like this particular podcast, uh, comment, ask questions, uh, whatever the case is in your as you hear and, and receive this revelation. Um, partner with us in sharing uh, in sharing this this message. Um, because it is a blessing, it is a blessing to be able to reveal an aspect of God that is of value and that empowers and transforms the lives of those who are connected to you and to your family. Um, I want to get right into the, um, the word today. Uh, we're dealing with, we're dealing with a, a degree of knowing God, a degree of uh, relating to God in in a way that that enables Him to be all that He has desired to be in your life. And when we get when we talk about who God is, it's very important. Uh, we talk about He's a God of faith, Him being a God of faith. Also, we're talking about the revelation of our salvation. We believe that salvation is the solution. When we say that, that means everything that pertains to our life and to godliness, we find within the parameters of our salvation. We find amongst the ark of our salvation. We need not look outside of the confines and principles and characteristics and practices of our salvation. Everything that we want to know from relationships to entrepreneurship to business to wealth creation to health maintenance to deliverance to protection to wholeness, we find in our salvation. Salvation is the ultimate end for which Jesus Christ came. I'm going to say that again. Your salvation, and I'm not talking about going to heaven right now. Uh, that's, that's grandiose and that's great and that's wonderful, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about experiencing practical, everyday salvation in your life. Jesus' Jesus's ultimate end for coming to the earth, going through what he went through on the cross, was so that we might experience salvation in our lives every single day, whether it's deliverance, whether it's protection, whether it's health, whether it's wealth and whether it's wholeness. We believe everything about your life is 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 uh, confined or everything that's pertaining to your life. You can find somewhere in the word of God and in within the parameters of our salvation. We believe that salvation is fivefold. Uh, we we've uh, narrowed it down to these five, these five truths, these five concepts as we see them throughout the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. There's deliverance, it's protection, it is health, it is wealth, and it is wholeness. And we emphasize, we, we bold, we highlight, we italicize health and wealth. 
the health and wealth of God's people is his primary concern. There's so much that we have to say about this, but we don't have time in this particular broadcast um, to, to share the, the emphasis that God himself has placed on his salvation. When you study the scripture, it is, it is a health and wealth. He's, he's magnified that. He's amplified that. He's focused on your health and your wealth as he has been from the beginning of time, as he has been from Adam, right on down through Noah, right on down through Abraham, right on down through Moses, right on down through Isaac and Jacob. I'm sorry, I should mention. And, and, and right on up through, through Moses and Joshua and David and Sam, so, Solomon and, and right, on, right on down through, right on down through to Jesus and then the apostles and then in, into our modern day. His emphasis has always been health and wealth. God, God believes he wants his people healthy and wealthy at all costs. And he's willing to do a whole lot of things. And, and over, these, over these broadcasts, I'll take you through the scripture and show you that. Um, because and the reason and the reason that is, is because what we're going to talk about today, um, his nature, his nature uh, of who he is. And it's a, a very powerful verse of scripture. But all things, I think five, six places in the scripture, it says it says um, salvation was the ultimate end for which Jesus Christ came. Paul said it like this in Romans, the first chapter, verses 16. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. The gospel of Christ is a releasing of the power of God unto salvation, point blank, period. So Paul's preaching of the gospel so that, was so that the power of God can be released so that salvation can be experienced. Everything from new birth to wholeness can be experienced. We see Jesus demonstrated that all throughout his ministry. Everything from new birth to wholeness from deliverance to protection to health to wealth to health. Jesus did it all for everybody. He manifested, he manifested deliverance to, 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 to those who were demon-possessed. He protected those who were being accused of, of sinful things. He, he brought health to, to daughters and the sons and the, and, the, and the men and women. He brought wealth to, to, to disciples and people um, and, and, and other people. He gave them wealth, wealth creation uh, practices and secrets. And then wholeness. He asked him, and would thou be made whole? All these things was demonstrated in Jesus' ministry. But there was always an emphasis on the health and wealth aspect of it. Uh, even throughout Jesus' ministry. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring those things out for you. Um, and, and the bottom line to it is everything is unto salvation. Your faith should lead, is, 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 should lead you unto experiencing salvation. Your righteousness should lead you unto fulfilling and experiencing salvation. Your holiness should lead you unto experiencing and fulfilling salvation. Your, your, the love of God should lead you into. Watch this. In Psalm 66, verse 12, the scripture says it like this. He says, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We've been through the waters. We've been through the floods. But thou hast brought us out and unto, guess where? A wealthy place. Love will never leave you where it finds you. It always wants to bring you out of whatever it is that you're connected to, whatever it is that you're in that's not representative of your experiencing the goodness of his salvation and bring you into a wealthy place, a delivered place, a protected place, a healthy place, a wealthy place, a whole place. Love will never leave you where it finds you. It's always looking to bring you into a whole, a wealthy, a healthy, a protected and a delivered place. We just got to be willing. We got to be willing to believe. We got to be willing to believe and we got to be, be willing to do. We got to be willing to believe and to be willing to do. And so this is what our salvation and this is what the gospel of Christ should be leading us to. You have to have a mindset. Lord, show me this. You have to have a mindset. As believers, we have to have a mindset to get to the conclusion of the matter. 
the conclusion of the matter. God is a conclusionist, if I can make that word up. God is one that's always looking. Listen, what's the conclusion of the matter? What, get me to the end of the matter. What is the expected end that I have in the situation? God's expected end for each and every one of us is to experience the fullness of his salvation. Again, deliverance, protection, health, wealth, wholeness. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? In Philippians, the second chapter, the Bible tells us that we are called to work out our own salvation. You have a responsibility to work out your salvation. There's something that's required of you because he done worked it in you and he's given you the desire to execute. But now you got to do it right. You know, the whole idea of God's in control and God's going to make it happen and God's going to do it. Listen, listen, that's religion. And we don't want to have any part of that. You have something to do. James brought this revelation to the table. Faith without works is empty. It's meaningless. It's vain. You will not experience salvation without executing the best practices associated with salvation. You will not experience salvation with a religious mindset. You must have an entrepreneurial mindset to experience the goodness of God's salvation. You must think like a king. You must think like a chief. You must think like a conqueror. You must think like a business person. You must think about uh, gaining and profiting. Everything about your salvation was designed for you to profit, was designed for you to overcome, was designed for you to build and achieve, was designed for you to come into a place of wealth and health and wholeness. That's, that's what your salvation is, is confined to. And we have to believe that. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, you won't experience it. Because if you don't believe it, then you won't, you won't have the corresponding actions released to you by the Spirit of God in order to see these things manifested in your life. This is where we come to uh, Hebrews 11, chapter the 6th verse. And that's what we want to talk about today. The, 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 the mindset or the title of today's uh, thought is the great rewarder. God is a great rewarder. God is a great rewarder. He is a remunerator. And we're going to talk about what those words mean uh, as, we get, as we get through this, um, this, this teaching. Uh, the first thing is Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 6th verse. Very familiar passage of scripture. I want to read this first. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we know that without believing, without believing, without faith, that word faith means to believe. It's an active word. It's an it's a action word. It's a word that produces in you the mind, the heart, the fortitude, the will to believe. It means to believe what it is that God has said about you. Specifically, it means to believe, right? It's a, it's a verb. It's an action word. Faith is not something that's static. Faith is not something that's dead. Faith is not something that's paralyzed. Faith is not something that's stale. Faith is alive. It's active. It's quickening. It's, it's, far, it's fireful. It's, it's vibrant. It's colorful. It's beautiful. It's active. That's what faith is. Without faith, because God is a God of faith. He is a faith God. He's a faith-functioning God. Without faith, it is impossible that word please there is not to make happy, not to bring a smile to somebody, not to bring somebody a good feeling. That word please there to means to be in full agreement. The idea of that word in the, in the Greek is a contractual agreement. There's a contract, a contractual agreement that God has with mankind that in order for us to, to coexist, in order for us to walk together, you got to believe me. You got to believe. You got to have faith. You got to have faith. Faith moves God like nothing else. Faith to believe him moves him like nothing else. The example of this we see in Abraham's life. Don't let anybody tell you you didn't do anything to get saved. You believed. That thing moves God. It moves God like nothing else. The Bible says Abraham believed God and God accounted unto him. Everything he was asking, um, 
asking everything he asked uh, the nation of Israel to do when it came to their sacrificial uh, offering system. Everything he was asking them to do is contained in believing. Right. They had to offer all kinds of things to be established for, for the nation to be to be viewed as righteous in God's sight. But for Abraham, he just believed. Man, believing is, is monumental, is monumental in the sight of God. Believing is monumental. It moves him like never before. So when you say without faith, it's a contractual agreement. You move God. You move God in a way when you believe. The Bible says without believing, it is impossible to come into that agreement. That means it means to be in full agreement. It's, it's, it's a contractual agreement with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, to believe, in order for us to come into that contractual agreement, that, that covenant agreement, to where God is responsible for certain things, and I'm responsible for certain things. Before that has to happen, we have to believe. Well, what is it that God wants us to believe? Let's stay true to the context of the scripture here. It says, he, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. I want to start right there. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Okay, now, before we can even walk with God, that word cometh there, that word cometh there has to do with to pursue God. It has to do with to connect with Father. It has to do with become, becoming one with Him. Before we can become one with Him, before we can connect with Him, before we can walk with God Almighty now, before we can walk with Him, you got to believe some things. You got to believe that He is. You got to know that He is. You got to have it in your mindset that He is. He that cometh unto God must believe. You can't come to Him without having an expectation of Him. You can't approach him. You can't draw near to him. You can't worship him. You can't. That one, the idea of that word coming, it means to ascend to. You can't, you can't grow into being who this God wants you to be. My God. You can't do it unless you believe that he is. My God, that he is, that he is, that he is. You can't believe. You can't come to God unless you believe that he is. Okay, the idea, the idea of of he is right um the idea of he is is the is the revelation is the revelation that god gave moses when he appeared to moses and he told moses go tell pharaoh let my people go also when he um when he when moses asked him and and after he got all the instructions that that god wanted him to give moses said lord who who shall I say, who shall I say sent me? Who shall I say sent me? God said, Moses said, when I go to the elders, that's what it was. He said, when I go to the elders and they want to know, they want to know who it is that, that sent me, what, what do I tell them? What do I tell them? Moses, Moses knew that they would want to know after, after all this time, after all this time, now you, now you want to uh, send me with a message? And they have, these people ain't heard from you in all this time? Um, I think it's Exodus, the third chapter, the 14th verse. He says, uh, uh, first, verse 13 says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and I shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? God said unto them, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me. I am that I am. The idea or the concept in that day of I am that I am is that I exist 
to be. Oh my God. God exists to be or to become whatever it is we need him to be. Oh, if they need him to be a cloud by day to protect them from the sun, he could be that. If they need him to be a pillar of fire at night so they can keep them warm in the, in the cool of the desert, he could be that. If they need him to be a provider so he can give them manna from heaven, I can be that. If they need him to call the east wind to blow and quail to be on the ground, then I can do that. Whatever it is they need me to be. They need me to be a deliverer. They need, to, they need me to be a propitiation. Whatever they need me to be, I can be. They need me to be a protector from the, from the, from the armies of Israel. I can be whatever it is they need me to be. That's the same concept that he is. We got to bring that over into our, our, our covenant, our new covenant. He that cometh unto God must believe. First thing you got to believe is that he is. He is. God is able. God is willing. God is more than enough. He is. Jesus revealed to, him, revealed to us all that he is. He said this to his disciples. He says, he says I, I manifested thy name unto them. I've made known who you are to them. Remember, they asked him, what's his, what's his name? Well, it's via his name that he reveals his character, that he reveals his nature, that he reveals his intent in how he wants to relate to mankind. He reveals himself in that way via his name. Jesus said, I've manifested thy name unto them. I've shown them who you are, Lord. I've made known unto them by, by teaching and by, by manifestation and by experiencing. He must, he that cometh to God must believe. You got to believe that he is. So if we want to walk with God through life, if we want to walk through God in business, if we want to walk through God in relationships, if we want to walk through God as parents, if we want to walk with God, then we got to believe that he's able to be whatever it is that I need him to be in that situation. He's able to be my business advisor. He's able to be my, my, my mentor as a husband. He's able to be my, my, my shepherd as a sheep. He's able to be my, my leader as an entrepreneur. He's able to be whatever it is I need him to be. He's able to be my counselor. As I do, as I do big business in deep waters, he's able to do those things. He's able to be those things to me. I got the, the idea of it is to be dependent upon him for everything. Listen, um, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Listen, I'm dependent upon him in everything, in every decision, in every way. That's the idea. He that comes to God, you got to believe that he is. You got to believe he's more than able. You got to believe he's more than uh, able to do whatever it is that you need him to do and be who it is that you need him to be. He can be your righteousness. He can be your holiness. He can be your sanctifier. He can be your healer. He can be your provider. He can be your righteousness. He can be your sanctification. He can be your, 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 your deliverance and your protection. He can be all of those things. He can be your Adonai. He can be your master. He can be your Jehovah, your covenant-keeping God. He can be your lover. He can be the lover of your soul. He, I mean, whatever it is you need him to be. He can be your king. He can be your prince of life. He can be it all to you, whatever it is you need him to be. He can be your source of love, your source of hope, your source of faith. He can be that to us. He can be that one that empowers you and the one that gifts you and the one that builds you and the one that makes you wealthy. He can be all that to you. But you got to trust him to be it. That contractual agreement places a demand on him to be to you who he said he would be to you. He that cometh unto God must believe that he is. Here's the most important part. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I want to I jump over to that part where we talk about diligently seeking. And I'm going to come back to that reward because that's what it's really about. We're going to spend the last few minutes on that, on that uh, concept. But diligently seeking puts us in the mindset of seeking first the kingdom of God. See, the way you diligently seek God is via seeking first the kingdom of God. 
What's connected? What's the context of that scripture? What's connected to seeking for the kingdom of God is so that you can have your abundant life that God has called you to live so that you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and how and what you're going to be clothed and where you're going to live. All those things, all those things are minor. He says, your heavenly father knows you have needed those things. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, that kingdom of God is God's governmental system. It's the king's way of governing those who are subject to him. To him. So if you, if you seek first the king and the character and the nature of the king, then you seek first the kingdom's governing system over every aspect of your life. Now all these things are added to you. So when you diligently call yourself seeking after God, you can't diligently seek after God without seeking first the king and getting to know the king. And the kingdom's operating systems and how they function, how to function in the kingdom of God, how to walk by faith, how to live in the kingdom of God. So when you talk about diligently seeking God, you can't do that unless you're associating that with seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, let's go back to the reward. This is the most important part. That word reward is the word remunerator. There's actually two words, remunerate or remunerate. The actual, the, the word that really uh, expresses this word for rewarder is an old word that we don't even use much today, but it's called remunerate. We've replaced that word with remunerate, and there's two different meanings to it. So I want to focus on the word remunerate, R-E-M-U-N, not R-E-N-U-M. There's a difference. Remunerator. God is a remunerator. Say that with me. God is my remunerator. Well, it's important because that word remunerator, powerful word. Listen, it literally means the, the idea. Let me, let's look at the start here. The idea of a remunerator is one who looks to make another wealthy. Let that sink in. It's, an, it's a kingly concept. It's, it, was, it was verbiage that would only come around were used with kings. Well, what is the kings of our day? Your CEOs, your philanthropists, those who are in, those who are in control of companies, those who are in, in a position where they can, they can make one decision, they can make one move, and they can change the economic life for someone else. They can, they can imply economic redemption into the lives of other people. There is an economic redemptive side to our salvation. Uh, I hope you understand that. But the word rewarder, Remunerator is one who who literally de desires to make another wealthy. It means to pay one a kingly wage. It means one who's determined to build wealth for another. One one who, who who's looking for a way to reward others. So in other words, God is always looking for a way to reward you. He's always looking for a way to pay you a kingly wage. The idea of that is, is one who overpays. So, so in other words, uh, you might do a job that's, that's, that's worthy of 100 bucks an hour, but, but God is looking for you to, to overpay you 1,000 bucks an hour. Now, now that's the idea of a, of a remunerator, one who really looks to, it's, it's, it's really the modern-day philanthropist. The true nature of a philanthropist there's actually a word in, in the Hebrew that speaks of, of being philanthropic, and it, it escapes me at this time. Um, but the idea wasn't quite what it is for some of our philanthropists today. The idea of, of some of our philanthropists today is more of a handout concept. Well, true philanthropy is more of a hand up concept. I'm not looking to come in and rescue and save the day and give you something for a, for a moment. But I'm looking to come in and, 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 and not only just rescue you from the, from the perils of today, but also to give you a rescue you from the perils of your future by establishing you and by setting you up with a system that will enable you as an entrepreneur to build wealth for you and your family. So that's the idea of a remunerator. The scripture says, he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. 
All of this is connected to your salvation. In Isaiah 62, verse 11, it says, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the worlds. Say ye to the daughters of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward, or the rewarder, is with him. And his work is before him. That word reward there is the word for remunerator. It's the same word. Second uh, Corinthians, the 15th, um, Second Chronicles, the 15th chapter, verse 7 says, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Um, that gets over into the idea of the reward being related to the work of your hands. Before I get into that, though, I want to look at how this um, concept or truth of God being a remunerator, a rewarder, is played out in the life of one of, one of God's patriarchs, and that will be that of Abraham. Uh, if you remember back in um, Genesis, the 12th chapter, God called Abraham out and he gave him a what they call the I wills of God. God promised him that if you do this, Abraham, if you leave your household and you go into a land that I will show you, here's what I will do. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless your children. I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. And in, in detail, all the families be blessed. Now, that's a whole nother concept. That word blessed is powerful. I mean, I mean, the blessing has, a, has the blessing is designed to do some specific things. The blessing has specific instructions, and maybe we'll cover that in another episode. Um, but for the most part, uh, Abraham Abraham immediately left, and in Genesis the twelfth chapter, you see there's a famine in the land. He went down to Egypt, and he went through uh, that famine. But when he came on out on the other side of that famine, in verse in chapter thirteen, was the first second verse I believe it says. Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. So in just one chapter, from Genesis the 12th chapter, he told him, leave everything and go into a land that I will show thee. And in the very next chapter, we see, we see, we see um, Abraham declared to be very rich in cattle, in gold, and in silver. And then in the 14th chapter, we see Abraham continuing to grow and become wealthy so much so that there wasn't even enough room for him and his, him and his nephew to, to dwell together. Then in the 15th chapter, we see why Abraham was made wealthy and even became one of the wealthiest men on the, on the, on the face of the earth. After, after, the, after the 14th chapter, at the end of the 14th chapter, Abraham had just won the victory over five kings uh, to save his nephew Lot who had departed from him because they just didn't have enough room because they were, they were, they were becoming, they were accumulating um, because of this blessing that was on them that they, they, they needed space. So Lot went and he did what he did uh, and he found some territory where they, they, they ended up um, being at, coming at war and Abraham came and he blessed them. And one thing Abraham did, he said he refused to take anything of the spoils, save that which the warriors were uh, warranted for, for fighting. Um, he said, at least you say you made Abraham rich. See, Abraham was dependent upon God. See, that has to be our mentality. Remember, I said everything about your salvation, everything about your life is contained within your salvation. Abraham says, at least you can you go around talking about you made Abraham rich. I don't want to take nothing from you. See, he had a commitment. He had a commitment to God. He believed that God was able. He believed that God was able. God had told him what he would do. He wasn't going to allow anybody else to do it. He wasn't going to work for nobody. He wasn't going to succumb to nobody. He wasn't going to take a job for nobody. He's going to be entrepreneurial. He's going to function the way God had called him to function so that wealth can accumulate in unnumerable and unmeasurable ways. He said this. He said this. I will not take from thee nothing. I, I don't want anything save that which the, the, the warriors, the young men, um, deserve. Then in verse 15, right at the end of the chapter, um, 
Then he, and also, also another thing, also in that verse, in that chapter, he paid tithes, right? He was a giver. He believed in giving unto God. Abraham said unto the kings, verse 22 in Genesis, the 14th chapter of Sodom, I lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take forth a thread even to a shoe latch, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion the men which went with me, Anar, Eskel, and Menar, let them take their portion. He said, but listen, I don't want nothing from you, because I believe my God, the Most High God, he said, I've lifted my hand, and those, he's made an oath. To the most high God, the possessor of heaven. So that phrase possessor of heaven, heaven and earth means one who's extremely wealthy. One who's able, listen, one who's able to remunerate me. I'm going to trust in him, not anybody else. Then look what happened in verse 15. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. After Abraham, not only made the vow, but executed on what he said, lived out what he said. After these things, what things? Abraham's de declaration and, and, and commitment to God and then him living up to that commitment. He says, the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great rewarder. Guess what that word rewarder is related to? The same word over in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, verse. It literally means one who pays an extreme wage. Man. So we see, we see the concept of God being a remunerator beginning, beginning, really in the, in the very beginning, but we see it manifested in Abraham's life. And the same blessing and the same promise passed on to Isaac, passed on to Jacob, passed on to the 12 tribes, to Joseph, passed on to the 12, the, the, the 12 sons, passed on to the 12 tribes. And, and, I, and, and I can trace, you can see it throughout the entire history of the word of God, right on up to our day to where Jesus was this, operated in the same way. He, he was a remunerator to Peter and the boys in their fishing business. He took them from a struggling fishing business to each one of them being able to, being able to offer one boatload of fish, being able to divide that spoil. And it was equivalent in our day. They caught enough fish that it would be the equivalent of 25 years worth of wages. In other words, in our day, in our day, each one of them walked away with about $3 million. Each one, just one boatload of fish. That's a remunerator for you. That's how God remunerates. He is your remunerator. If you want to walk with God and come to him, you got to believe that he is your remunerator, that God is looking to bring you into a wealthy place. God is looking to take you from where you are financially to a whole nother place. My, my, my message and my ministry is, um, is inspired, it's really been inspired to, to bring the body of Christ out of poverty. Poverty is the peril of life. Jesus declared war on poverty. In John's gospel, the 10th chapter, the 10th verse, he said, the, he said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That word means to felch. It means to cause to suffer. And it means to obliterate as if you never resisted those three words. To kill means to felch from, to steal from, to literally, to cause one to be in lack. It means to destroy, I mean, uh, to suffer, to cause you to suffer from poverty, from shame, and to cause you to be obliterated off the face of the earth. Poverty is the, is the, is the root system for evil to be manifested. You can link all of the perils of life to poverty. That's why Jesus declared war on poverty. 
in his mission statement to the world. Jesus said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. The first thing that, on, that was on Jesus' mind was the poor in the impoverished situation. That word poor, that don't mean poor in spirit. It means to be a pauper. It means to be physically poor. Salvation is designed to bring us out of poverty. The Bible says the rich ruleth. The kings rule. You can't be a king. There's no such thing as a poor king. We're kings and priests of the Most High God. There's no such thing as a poor king. A poor king is wealthy. Even before he possesses his land, he's still wealthy. We understand that there's spiritual wealth, there's soul wealth, and there's financial wealth. God wants us wealthy. He wants us wealthy. He wants us wealthy and all, on all three levels. But he's a remunerator. And I need you to see that. I need you to understand that. I need you to grasp that. I need you to believe that. I need you to expect that. And, and his remunerative qualities is best expressed through entrepreneurship. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about the nature of God, the nature of us as believers, and what God has called us to do. And I'm going to share with you some scriptures that's going to establish in your heart what God has called us to be and how God has called us to do it. And that God wants to bring you out of and into a wealthy place. Hey, I got to go. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in, uh, listening to us today. Uh, again, my name is Damaris Johnson. You're listening to Salvation Solutions. Please share, like, comment um, on this on these uh, broadcasts, on this post. And uh, we really, really appreciate you um, helping us spread this good news, this good news of God being a remunerator and how our salvation is the solution to every problem you'll ever face. Look no further. Look not beyond the confines of your salvation and watch God remunerate you in a great and mighty way. Hey, I got to go. God bless you. Uh, we love you. We thank you. And we'll see you next time right here from Salvation Solutions.